You know, there's this phrase, especially in the South, as I live and breathe, as I live and breathe. And uh, taking a deep breath can change everything. Um, blood pressure, pulse rate, respiration tied to everything that the universe itself seems to breathe, expanding and contracting, one big bellows. Ah, I digress. Um, so Allison Modafferi, Allison Modafferi Brewster, is rebranding Be Yoga as Live and Breathe. And our conversation goes over much of her life and how she got to be a mom and a great big sister and um, also what yoga, the philosophy, and the real principles behind yoga have to do with driving in traffic and all the various hassles we have to put up with and how breathing can just make us more grounded, more clear-minded, especially with the anxiety machines all around us. Allison Modafferi Brewster. And so immediately, that very first class, I thought, I want to know this. I want to understand this deeply enough that someday I can teach it. This is In Her Words, a podcast from manlisting.com featuring one man listening to the stories of real women in their own words. In her words, a conversation worth hearing because every woman deserves to be heard. Hello there, and welcome to In Her Words, my podcast. I'm Stuart Watson. I've been trying to talk to Allison Modafferi, Allison Modafferi Brewster, for, I don't know, months, I know. And I've talked to a lot of other women who were involved in the formation and then the evolution of Bee Yoga, um, now to a, a collective, uh, a different way of doing business. And now uh, I get to talk to Allison Modafferi, who is the current operator of it. And to talk about how yoga is about more than downward dog. And it's really about a way of being flexible in the world, a way of holding ourselves in the world, and an application for lots of things other than just movement. Uh, providing for stillness in a very loud and complicated world. Allison Modafferi Brewster. Where were you born? I was born in Morristown, New Jersey. I only lived in New Jersey for a couple of years, um, though I still feel it in my heart. <laughs> um, but I grew up in Connecticut um, and not too far actually from New York City, but it was quite rural, a little town with a you know town square and green and rolling hills and farms and um, that kind of New England vibe uh, is how I remember my my the first part of my childhood at least um moved to charlotte when i was 11 so second half of the childhood was uh here in the south the biggest story is always that i was born in the middle of a, a snowstorm um i was born on february 20th and in new jersey 
as I said, and it's, yeah, it was a, a big old storm and they were just happy to get to the hospital on time. Um, yeah, and I was early. And I, I mentioned this for two reasons because both of my kids came very late, like, you know, two weeks late. And um, also because it's like the only time in my life I've ever been early was that. <laughs> Was birth. <laughs> I shoot for shoot for early so I can like hopefully be on time these but days. But not preemie early. Not preemie early. No, just a couple weeks early. But yeah. It Did was... your mom tell you anything that helped you in your labor and delivery? She's told me many things in my life that have helped me and guided me, especially in parenthood. But um, though my mom had four babies. <laughs> um, I don't remember anything specifically about labor delivery. Maybe, and you're maybe just what? good luck. <laughs> um, you, you know, there's some magic that happens to women where is intense and traumatic that as bringing a baby into the world can be like we remember only little bits and pieces, right? Afterwards. So yeah, so perhaps we'll do it again someday. <laughs> What was the last thing you just asked me? What number were you? Oh, I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest of four. Four girls. And how? what's the age gap, oldest to youngest? Um, my next sister is Kristen, and she's um, two and a half years, just a little under two and a half years younger than me. And then my sister, Lauren, who is five years younger than me. Um, and my sister, Megan, who is 13 years younger than me. It's awesome to see her as an, a, an adult and powerful woman and yeah the age difference doesn't really matter we are we're very close as you probably know my sister uh, Kristen disappeared in 1997 and um, it is still an, an open and ongoing case we've never uh, unfortunately been able to get to the bottom of that how do you go on um how do I go on I mean you you go on the it, we're, 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 um, there's no video here, right? We're just an audio, but you can right. see my facial expressions. You can see me closing my eyes and, you know, and there, there is still a lot of emotion around this, even though, you know, 1997 was what, 26 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I will always miss my sister. I will always wish for resolution. Um, but yeah, we, you, as humans, we put one foot in front of the other and, and, and carry on. Mm-hmm. Um, the the um, the my sister's case, you know, has been led by you know, by police departments and detectives and even the FBI. And unfortunately, though there have been many leads, none of them have led to anything conclusive, even, even, um, thorough enough to, you know, bring any suspects to court. Um, you need quite a, quite a bit of, uh, of proof, um, to even bring somebody, um, into a court to, you know, see if they are innocent or guilty. And we have, we've unfortunately not been able to gather, gather enough of that. It's crazy to, to think that someone could disappear with, without a trace, but of course that is. I mean, there's a TV show with that, that name because it happens. It's, you know, as kids we saw it on the milk cartons, right? 
seem like always something that happened to somebody else. But then, yeah, I mean, it happened to us. Um, I don't want to cause you any trauma. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I don't want to dwell. And I'm, I'm also, I'm here to talk to you about you and your relationship with your mom and your sister, you know, that your siblings, that's part of you, but yeah. it's not all of you. Right. Like it doesn't define all of you any more than being a, a mom defines all of you. But it's all part of who I am, though, right? And like you happen to be sitting right now with a with this tapestry hanging on the wall behind you. And I, <laughs> I often think that about the experiences of our life, traumatic or otherwise, they all make up part of the fabric of our beings, of who we are. So... Yes, I mean, losing my sister is part of who I am. It is part of my my fabric, of my makeup. And um, so I don't, first of all, I don't mind talking about her. I, I like to, I like to remember her and even tell stories about her, recall those days, you know, when we were all together. And, um, and I like to talk about my dad, you know, who I miss tremendously, who um, passed away last year. Um, so these are, you know, my family are, uh, my family, everyone in my family are, is, are, <laughs> um, such a big part of who I am. Hmm. Um, you said your mom taught you about being a mom. Well, what did she teach you about being a mom? kind of by example and also by advice. Mm -hmm. um, my mom is a teacher. Her career was as a, a teacher or specifically literacy. Mm. Um, but just as a personality, she is a teacher. And so... Throughout my life, she was always, is continuing to always um, show me both by example, but also by teaching. And um, she has, uh, that, that, that special skill set that a lot of teachers have that both, that combines both um, nurturing and um, challenging students to take that next step, right? And I think that is such a, a wonderful balance that teachers strike of making that uh, a space safe um, and comfortable for learning, but also, you know, beckoning the student forward, meeting them where they are and saying, come on, let's, let's try this. When you're ready, let's take and that And you're step. a teacher. You know, there's... The apple does not fall from the tree, fall, fall, <laughs> fall far from the tree. As they say, the apple does not fall far from the tree. Um, so, so yes, I have, I think I have that teacher personality too. And I see it in my daughter. It's the, that desire to learn and then share uh, our discoveries. So if you bump up against someone who says, uh, I can't, and you, you believe well, well, of course you can. How do you communicate that to them? If they say, I can't, mm -hmm. I can't do that. 
I'm not built for yoga. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm an old fat man. Mm -hmm. What would you say? Well, that one specifically, I, I I will start with. Well, that's a myth. Like you don't have to be able to touch your toes to be to do yoga or you you know do splits. Um, and so then we'll talk about what yoga really is. Which is. Oh, that's a long conversation. Let's come right back to that in just a minute. Because I also want to share that one of my favorite sayings is whether you believe you can or be you believe you can't, you're right. I don't know if that's 100% true or true 100% of the time, but a lot of the times it is. Um, and mindset is so important. So I keep that in mind. I try to instill that in my kids, right? Um, but back to yoga, um, yoga in its essence is about yoking. The word yoga literally means to yoke, about drawing together our awareness and our physical experience, our breath, our body, the ways we move through the world. So on the yoga mat, we practice doing this. We call yoga a practice because what we're doing is putting ourselves in physical shapes that challenge us, that might challenge us physically, that might challenge us mentally or both, and practice breathing and keeping our breath steady or bringing our breath back to steadiness and keeping our mind steady or bringing our mind back to steadiness and, and continuing to try to integrate our, our, our thoughts, our attention, our awareness, what we would call in yoga consciousness or chit, C-H-I-T, chit, and our ananda, which means bliss, really. It means bliss, but it also can just mean experience. So that we're, we're trying to um, practice being present. I mean, that's yoga. So, you know, body type, does, that doesn't really matter. Does it matter, you know, when you, you're trying to you know, hit that Instagram pose, <laughs> perhaps? What's an Instagram pose? Like, there's a whole, um, there's a whole world on Instagram of people posting their progress with yoga poses, right? There are a lot of like very beautiful posts on Instagram of people doing yoga poses, but that's only one part. Um, it's certainly easier to be present and steady and find some um, equanimity, that, 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 that um, balanced uh, emotional state. Um, there's a, a, a saying in yoga that it's much more difficult to, to sit in meditation if your back hurts, right? <laughs> so we practice these poses to tune up the instrument, the physical body, but the point isn't to be able to post a beautiful picture on Instagram. Why do you think in the US more women practice yoga generally than men? It's a great question because the roots of yoga are, um, in India, it was largely practiced by men. In fact, it was um, by, uh, by Brahmin men, by um, 
the Brahmin class, and it was not even um, really allowed for women or or householders in general to practice for a very long time. So it has become very popular in the West, of course, with women. And I think a big part of that is finding ways to calm stress, mental stress. Perhaps, as you've implied, women are uh, more drawn to that. So I'll, I'll ask you like a really crude, blunt question. Okay. Um, if someone farts in a yoga class. If. what the, I mean, already, like, when is the, is the start to that question, Stuart? <laughs> When someone farts in a yoga class. I know a guy who farted in a yoga class. He immediately got up, rolled up his mat, and left. Oh. So what is the... What is the... Okay. Like, have you ever farted in a yoga class? You've been in thousands of them. Probably. I don't... So what's the... I, I will say, though, I haven't been in a situation where I have audibly, and that's important here, um... Tooted in a yoga class, but I have been teaching when students have, and you know, it, it really depends. Sometimes you just carry on. You just, you, as a teacher, if it's, if we can just all move on and just kind of ignore it happen, that's fine. If we need to acknowledge and laugh and not laugh at the person, but like laugh at our humanness, we can do that too. Humility laced with humor goes a long way. <laughs> and we do laugh a lot in my yoga classes. Um, though I am very serious about yoga. I love studying it and practicing it. And, and I, I started practicing yoga in 2000. So 23 years in now, I'm, I'm still learning and I still love learning about it. So I, I'm very serious about it, but I also can find it very seriously funny. Yeah. Um, and we as humans are hilarious, right? I mean, we are these animals. We are truly like ridiculous, primal, <laughs> ridiculous right? We are, we are animals that also have these beautiful qualities of self-reflection and, um, and great compassion for one another and, and innovation. I, I mean, we are beautifully complex. And we celebrate that a lot. What resonated with you about yoga? Back in 2000, I was living in Brooklyn, in New York City, and I kept hearing about this thing called yoga and thinking, yeah, that would be, that sounds interesting. That might be fun. I thought, I will never do that, <laughs> specifically about crow pose. But I was still intrigued. And I was on the subway one day and I heard a, a couple of gals behind me chatting about their yoga class. And, you know, I broke that, that New York City rule of talking to strangers and I just turned around and, and said, hi, I, I hear you talking about yoga. Can you tell me more? And turns out the studio they were talking about was right in my neighborhood in Brooklyn. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go. And they're like, they were so vibrant and so excited, so enthusiastic to tell me about this, this studio. Um, so I jogged to the yoga studio and went to a class um, and it was hard. You know, I, um, I got in there and it was very challenging. But what I remember about it and what hooked me is that I felt an inch taller when I left. And that space, that physical space felt so good. 
But there was something more. It wasn't just that I felt physically an inch t- taller. I felt, I felt space. I felt mental space, emotional space, um, possibility, right? Like some, the, I, I sensed right away that there was more to this and that I wanted to know more. I have this teacher personality. And so immediately that very first class, I thought, I want to know this. I want to understand this deeply enough that someday I can teach it. What's the biggest misunderstanding about yoga that keeps people from even... That we have to be flexible. That is the number one thing I hear all the time is, um, oh, I, I can't do yoga, I'm not flexible. The, the style of yoga that I teach specifically teaches or specifically includes both an, a, a contraction and isometric in, engagement of muscles that actually pulls us tighter, that pulls muscles in towards bones and in towards our joints for stability and safety, right? Um, while stretching. And that, that contraction and expansion that we're practicing together keeps our joints safe and our attachments, our, our, um, our tendons and even ligaments, it helps give those support while we safely stretch our muscles. Um, now, the people that are tighter, people that have more physical stability naturally, right? they're gonna get some really easy and quick stretches right? just by you know, leaning over someone who it has more natural fluidity or flexibility has to work really hard to stabilize, whether for safety or for balance, for stability, um, to keep their, their, their joints safe and, uh, and also to be able to, to open up in places where they may not be quite as flexible. Because most of us are flexible in certain ways and our bodies are so beautifully efficient. So I also um, am a, an Ayurvedic coach. Uh, I, and Ayurveda is the, is often called the sister science to yoga, but it is, it's literally lifestyle practices. Uh, it's the habits that, um, that help us take care of our, our, our bodies, our lives, our longevity. But yoga is a discipline of freedom. One of the, the um, most well-known yoga sutras is Astira Sukham Asanam, which means stability, stira, sukham, or sukha, ease and comfort. And asanam is the, the poses, asana. So it means the asana, the poses of yoga, are both stability and ease. It's all about setting those, those boundaries like banks of a river so that we can flow with freedom and enjoyment. And it's little by little and again and again, which is one of my, um, another one of my favorite sayings, little by little, again and again, small changes over long periods of time. Yeah. I think I'm drawn to this idea of freedom, right? Of um, rock and roll all night, right? Like there's something in me that's built that way. But there's a shadow side, like you can't live that way, right? All the time, at least, no. <laughs> right? And we, but, but there's that desire, there's that deep desire in me to find that kind of freedom of expression, of, of living, 
in a, in a, um, a creative state and, um, and, um, uh, even in a, a state, an electric state, like a, a state where there is, um, delight, which is such a beautiful word of light, delight, right? But in order f- to structure my life in such a way, I have to dive deeper into the structure, the stability that allows me to have that ease. Otherwise, it's just chaos, to be honest, right? I'm going to recommend that you start your day with some water because science backs that up, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Water and daylight and breathing. <laughs> yeah, and breathing, yes. And quiet. All right. Well, and but water, because it's it gets our digestive system going, and it also uh, helps us breathe. So right away, we're starting to get some of the movement in the body that we need, both um, physically and also with our with our breath moving through our body, right? Um, so that it makes it easier to get that that get out, get some daylight, get some movement, maybe even sit and get some quiet meditation, right? Um, but I'm not going to tell you exactly what your boundaries need to be. That's not my job. You know, I, I grew up running and playing soccer and swimming. I was active, athletic, but not dancing. So a lot of these poses didn't come easily for me, but I kept practicing all of the other shapes that have similar alignment principles, you know, lunges and hamstring stretches and hip openers and downward dogs. And there was a day that I stopped believing that I couldn't do it anymore. If you'd asked me back in 2000, my body was going to be able to do some of the things it can do now at 46 years old, you know, I'd say, oh, I I doubt it. I I can't imagine. Keep going down a certain path and see where you end up. How did you get involved with B yoga and where is it as kind of a institution now? How has it evolved? Thank you for asking. It's a great question, especially because we're in the middle of rebranding. Um, so I uh, was teaching for a, a lovely little studio here in town called Sangati. And um, when Sangati was closing, we were welcomed in, we were embraced by the bee yoga community. And which was very new at the time, this was back in 2011. And uh, they welcomed our teachers and our students into their fold. Uh, So it was a great place to land right around the corner and beautiful studio. And so I taught there um, all the way up to, of course, until 2020 when uh, the pandemic shut our doors. And we quickly pivoted to online classes and then outdoor classes. Um, in July of 2020, I started teaching out at the, on the lawn in front of the Mint Museum on Randolph. And even though we could go back indoors at some point now, we all love it so much <laughs> that we will continue to gather on Saturday mornings um, out in front of the mint, uh, there's a, a real, we always say it's, it's both magical and messy to practice outdoors. You know, you never know what might happen. Um, you might have, and this did happen. You might have a, a murder of crows. That's what you call it. That's what you call, right? A 
a flock of crows. You might have a murder of crows chase a hawk right above your heads on a day that the, the apex pose is crow pose. Unplanned. And where Magic. we are with Be Yoga Collective now, which um, in 2021, uh, Kara Truitt, who was the owner of Be Yoga at the time, turned the turned Be Yoga into a collective. And it's a brilliant model. It's an it's an, an inverse of the traditional yoga studio model, where a where students you know go to a yoga studio and they pay the studio for the class or for a membership, and then the studio handles all of the overhead, rent, you know, the software, the uh, the paying of the teachers, etc. And usually teachers are only making a few dollars a head per student. So Kara inverted that model, and now um, our teachers, our collective teachers, pay a monthly membership fee uh, for representation on the website, for the membership software platform, I guess is the right word, member membership platform, for the, the newsletter and social media, uh, all of those types of things that help support their business under the umbrella of Bioga Collective. And then our students, pay our teachers directly, um, which is a wonderful energetic exchange and has made for um, a deeper connection, I think, between a lot of our, our teachers and their students um, because there is this, um, you know, the, literally a, 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 an exchange each class of, um, of money and of emails. Um, so we practice, we've continued with the, uh, with the collective and I took over at the top of 2022. Um, and we've continued practicing outdoors and we've continued some of our online classes. So we're, we're changing our name in this rebranding to live and breathe because of that wonderful expression that describes what we're passionate about, what, what lights us up, right? I, oh, I live and breathe blank, like you fill in the blank, right? That's what we want to convey with this new, uh, this new brand, live and breathe. How do you show up? This is a, this is that invitation of yoga again. Like what will you bring to this moment? When we come up against something that stops us in our tracks, it's a great opportunity to pause and, and learn. Right? Look at our what comes up for us on a physical level, but also um, mentally and emotionally. And, and without judgment, to then practice a response. Right? And this is, the, this is one of the great things about yoga is because this is what we're doing in every single yoga pose, right? Is getting to that, that edge right? Where we are, we can't go further safely, right? But we have to stay right here just for the moment for one more breath, perhaps. And so what do we do in that pause when we are pausing just long enough to, to see what's being reflected back to us in that moment? Do we, you know, we have many opportunities, many choices here that we could make. And 
you know, and when, when we first start out yoga, it's, it's usually the, like, the, the affirming of the, these perhaps negative beliefs about ourselves or about life, the world, because that's what we've done, right? So like, oh, of course I can't do it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But then we come back to that, that spot again, next time through the sequence or next yoga class, and we get to that place and there's a, there's a chance to take a new breath, to start again, to try something different. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Now what? Now it's a new breath. Now it's a new moment. Now it's a new opportunity. And, and, and yoga is very breath by breath like that, very moment by moment. It's why 23 years in, I, I can keep practicing the same poses and continue to learn and continue to grow because it's a whole new day. And that's, that's being in the flow. Beautiful. If we got struck by lightning today and the only thing that survived was this little piece of audio, yeah. what is your legacy? My legacy. Well, first of all, I want to remind my family that I love them tremendously with my whole heart. And if there's anything I suppose to, to wish for my loved ones and, and the world in general is that we, we carry on looking for ways to enjoy this life, to find adventure within the mundane of existence, to delight in the time that we have we have this gift of embodiment. We can choose how we want to live and breathe. And choose what to do with our time so that we can spend more of it doing what lights us up, what lights up the world. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you so much, Allison. I could talk to her all day. Met with her off Central Ave uh, in these fun offices upstairs, uh, you know, big rooms with hardwood floors and high ceilings. You probably heard that. Thanks, Allison. In Her Words is a production of the Queen City Podcast Network in cooperation with Balto Creative Media. Allison Andrews at Andrews Creative, Rachel Clapp Miller and Roshonda Pratt are developmental producers. Sally Higgins at Higgins and Owens tries to keep us legal. Our music is A Day at the Park by the group Pictures of the Floating World. Your announcer is Katherine Smith. That's me. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and take a moment to rate and review. It really helps others find us. If you love us, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com. Look for Man Listening. One word, no spaces. A small investment makes a big difference in lifting up the voices of women. 
A huge shout out and thank you to everyone who has supported me, this podcast, manlistening.com, and also in her words, and now Voice Locket, voicelocket.com, my latest venture. Onward and upward. Thanks so much. Thank you for your support. We believe one voice can change the conversation. Thanks so much.